1: Co-worker of yours.
3: It is indeed time for the get right. No, we're Reggie not. KG on 105.3 The we'll Fan. we
4: early. Send it back to break. We'll
3: be back <laughs> in two minutes. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Ross Lubinsky, hold it down for you. On your turn it on, leave it on station. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app, the truckwreck.com text line 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation, we're with you until... 11 o'clock tonight here on this Thursday. Appreciate you joining us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash DallasFanCam and on YouTube as well. Make sure you search 105 <laughs> through the fan on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button while you're there. What's so funny?
4: Sorry, I just, you know, I'm I'm logging into the various places where you can get involved with the program That's so that right. I can see you, Twitch, YouTube, That's so right. on and so forth. And uh, pursuant to the fi- the last conversation that we were, one of the conversations we were having at Crosstalk, uh, somebody said, Wolchuk's going to be divorced in a year. The way that he was... Uh, trying to scoreboard and scorecard uh-huh. his future wife when mm-hmm. it comes to
3: uh, dollar dollar figures on gifts? Uh, one thing I learned very early on in my marriage is not to try to compete with my wife when it comes to gift giving because she's very competitive in that aspect. So if I were to do something really nice for her, she's going to try to find a way to, to top it. And usually she does a pretty good job. So I was like, well, maybe I should just not necessarily go like super hard when it comes to the gifts, but just go, you know, get something really nice. And then, you know, we'll be able to kind of be even because if she out gifts me, she's going to, you know, continue like, well, you know what? I got you last year. Right. You know what? I got you. And then that that kind of thing goes. Yeah. You know, on and on and on. Although
4: that is that is a tough undercurrent of gift giving in general is like, look, man, what what's what's the right percentage to veer from like the the cuz you you want to see if you can match values obviously mm-hmm. but like how far under that value or how far over that value until you become an inconvenience to somebody right cuz if you if you're like I definitely spent 200% of what you spent <laughs> like you you think you're doing something nice then that person's like do now do I have to spend more uh-huh. money next time around yeah, yeah. like what are we doing here
3: well it got me one year cuz here's the thing she got me a WWE championship belt for my birthday which you know those belts are not Oh, is it a belt or is it a title? You know what it is. Relax. Don't do that, Rez. We're not going to start that. Tonight. Who the real wrestle fan? Oh, mm-hmm. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? All right. But she got me that for my birthday gift. I was like, well, damn. Well, how do I top this? And I, I couldn't. You I, couldn't find something special uh, yeah, to I, her I, interest? Uh, yeah, not, not to that degree. Are <laughs> you kidding me? Are you, what she got me? So, you know, it is what it is. But you, li- you live and you learn uh, when it comes to gift giving. But, yeah, Walter better relax. Happy wife, happy life. Well, and uh, he'll f- he'll figure it out.
4: We've got correspondence from our friend Zach Walchuk who says, "No worries, fellas. They have an open and honest relationship, or oh, an honest relationship." Okay. I don't want to be spe- speak things that he's You're didn't doing say. a lot. Yeah, you're You you know what I meant. It, was, it all came from a good place. Anyways, continuing with the actual <laughs> uh-huh. verbatim of you the it, correspondence, I mean- she's a keeper. Also, she would never get me four hundred dollar cologne. So there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like how you
3: said that as the baseline. She like, like, would never. She, she
4: wouldn't do that. Never uh, ever get me that. Yeah, she would not. She would not. Get Get uh Car Note Cologne. Anyways, um But speaking of gifts, seems like the Cowboys are trending towards an amazing gift for their uh, week uh week five matchup with
3: San Francisco. I like what you did there. That's called a, a segue in the business, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. As the Cowboys, for the first time it appears this season, will have their starting five on the offensive line. On Sunday Night football, and you thought it would never happen. Well, the way that things were trending earlier on this week, you and realize so far,
4: you realized yesterday you gave me a hypothetical. I love. sure
3: did. Do you think it would happen at all this season? I was like, what are you doing right now? That's right. That's why we talk sports. And then literally, twenty four hours later. That's right. That's right. But hey, that's all is good in the hood for the Cowboys offensive line because it appears on Sunday night for the first time, we will have, Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Tyler Biotish at center, Zach Martin at right guard, and Terrence Steele at right tackle. And guess what? You need all five of them when you're dealing with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Jeron, Javon Hargrave. You're going to need everyone to be available, and it looks like, at least based off what we saw in practice today, the Cowboys will have that available to them. So the question is on the truckrate.com text line 877-811-053. Now that it appears that the Cowboys' starting offensive line starting five is going to be available, does that make you feel better about how they match up against the San Francisco 49ers? And does that change the complexion of how you feel about this game going into Sunday night? Now, so that's two questions. Uh, yep, yep, yep. yep. I will answer in the way that you in, in the in the order that you ask them. Mm-hmm.
4: Does that make me feel better? You damn Skippy, it does, <laughs> right? Like the NFL has only so many starting caliber offensive linemen. And so when you have the complement of five that you have available to you, that is a good thing. Because once you start going to reserve linemen, there's not very many teams that have reserve linemen that are worth the same or that are the same caliber starters. And there's definitely uh, it's definitely a problem if you have to use multiple ones of those. And you've seen the ways in which you've been able to handle yourself fairly well with backups, but it does not compare to having starting caliber players on the field, particularly your starters. Your starters are not bad starters, particularly when you talk about the entirety of your starting five, although this is the first time in Tyler Smith's career that you will see all five of your preferred starters on the line at the same time. That, But that, with that being said, yeah, I it does make me feel better knowing that Chumidoga is not going to have to play left tackle to start this game. Uh, only God knows what happens afterwards, right? Knock on wood if that's something that you believe in mm-hmm. or if you subscribe to those types of things. But yeah, uh, Chuma Idoga did what he did his best. However, there was definitely some times where I was like, hey, Chuma, you are getting worked right now, Bubba. And so like, is, is does that mean that Tyron Smith will not get worked? I ain't say that. <laughs> but like, I, you have a better likelihood of him being able to handle his own. Because I know that yesterday, uh, one of our lovely Tolos was texting in on the text line And mentioning how Tyron kind of got manhandled um, in your, you know, game last year in the playoffs against the Niners. But he was playing on the right side, right? Like that we understand the whole idea of wiping with the other hand, playing on the right side is significantly different, very different than playing on the left side. Just because you're a tackle on either side doesn't mean that it's the same position. This is his home. This mm-hmm. is where he has played for years upon years upon years for this team. Where he's going team, to the Hall of Fame at. Right? I, I think that that's going to display itself, even though you understand that Tyron Smith is a lot older, right? Like, he, he is in football years. Um, but, no, that all of that makes me feel good. There's a familiarity with Dak Prescott and, you know, the comfort of that relationship. All those things are going to be there. Does that change the complexion of this game for me?
3: Not really, actually. oh, okay, okay. Because I tend to feel like it does, and I'll answer the two questions backwards because I do think it changes the complexion of how this game goes. Now, here's why I do bring this up in that way. For example, the San Francisco 49ers this year are sixth in the NFL and quarterback pressure rate at 40.5%. But they only blitz a little over 22% of the time, which is 24th in the NFL, which says that they can get pressure on the quarterback without having to bring a lot of extra guys to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel much better about the complexion of the pass game and the run game if I have my starting five on the offensive line able to help stifle, as I mentioned, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, and others. Because if you can allow for some of those five, seven-step drops for some of those long-developing routes so that we can see some down-the-field action for Brandon Cooks, now you may have an opportunity to open up the playbook a little bit more based on what you're wanting to do to try and push things against San Francisco and their secondary. That, to me, changes a lot in terms of the complexion offensively, specifically also in the run game as well. No Tony Powell the last time these two teams, he got hurt, obviously, in the middle of that playoff game against San Francisco. That will do wonders for him in terms of his ability to run the football, which I think you can see a little bit more in terms of what that looks like in better – With terms of your combination blocks with guys like Zach Martin and obviously with Tyler Biotis and others, those things I think can have a dramatic effect on the offense and how that shapes what this game looks like through the 60 minutes when they take on San Francisco.
5: Um,
4: I think that there's definitely some fair points within that, like especially when we're talking about... um, Wow, sorry, there was a couple of places where I wanted to go, and let's start here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not certain that this changes the way that you pass the ball downfield. I'm not sure that 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 was entirely um about the idea of blocking it up now of course being a capable of blocking up if you do need to turn to that and try and pass push the ball downfield is something that you need but it does seem I feel like what you've been seeing in the depth of target that this team has seemed to try and attack I think that that is probably more indicative of a philosophy change than a change in capability of doing it and so I'm not certain that they're going to try and attack down the field in a larger way just because now you have Tyler Smith healthy and Zach Martin and all the other guys associated with it on the on the offensive line. Um, running the football is an interesting perspective here, though, because that's going to be necessary. Um, and I think that this team likes running off the right side, though. Running behind Terrence Steele and Zach, and Martin, Zach Martin. For For sure. Um, But obviously, you want to be able to go either way. And so, sure, I think that that will help, but I I don't know if that changes a ton, again, on what we're talking about um, with explosive plays.
3: And I think more so, let's start with the run game in terms of explosive plays because what we saw last week from Tyler Smith, who was excellent against the New England Patriots, having Tyler Smith, Biotis, and Martin protecting the interior there against two really good guys in Armstead and Hargrave. And uh, now that you have an opportunity to do that, I think now you can open up some things for Tony Pollard to maybe have some more explosive runs where you want to see that run game continue to get going when it comes to Dak Prescott and the complimentary aspects of this offense. I want to take you to a quote that Dak had today okay, yeah. talking to the media because Dak was asked how much of the offense the Cowboys have left on the field and have the, they haven't shown so far this year. He said, quote, a good bit. Yeah, a good bit. And offenses are always evolving and growing. There are a few plays we haven't used yet, and we're always bringing in new plays each week that we feel like benefits us versus a different scheme or the particular scheme we're playing that week. Now, what I hope that translates to is some more action for Brandon Cooks, maybe down the field a little bit, which is why I bring it back to some of the things sure. from a starting offensive line standpoint, where I even know, obviously, with Terrence, he struggles a little bit in the pass protection, mm-hmm. but I would much feel much better about their chances Uh, with that starting five out there for sure. Okay, so and
4: then I I guess I want to go back one moment because I I have talked about how obviously you want to have all your starters out there and then Mm -hmm. how I don't know how much that changes the opportunity for explosive plays. I think I need to be clear in that. I'm not saying in the vacuum of just a general situation. I mean, particularly against this San Francisco team. I think what you're going up against is so good that even though having your starters is there, I, I understand the difficulty that San Francisco poses. Like, if you just talk about – you mentioned how they are sixth in pass quarterback uh, pressure rate mm-hmm. while also not sending the house. They're doing this with four. There's people back. you know, they have, um, you know, their requisite uh, guys back. You're seven back um, in coverage, and that includes your Fred Warner over the middle where mm-hmm. they have been uh, fantastic. Um, so, like, I, I think that that's, that's the thing that gets me to a place where I'm like – it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable – that you're going to have your full complement. They're going to be able to beat it together. That, although I was going to say, like, that there's going to be a level of cohesion, but again, they haven't played we haven't all seen the that way yet. together. So mm-hmm. I hope that there's a level of cohesion. But in the idea that, oh man, now this means that the Cowboys are going to be X amount better in attacking the San Francisco 49ers, I think they were going to have whatever capability they have of attacking the Niners either way, if that makes sense.
3: So either way, with the offensive line, you felt like there were still aspects that they were still going to do, regardless of who was on that starting offensive line. Sure, and like okay. it's so,
4: some of that is like it seems uh, we double back to the idea of what this McCarthy uh, Tex Coast offense seems to have mm-hmm. been, which seems to be like trying to get these guys out out in space, get them the ball quickly, get the ball out of Dak's hands, and also again minimizing exposure to you know potential turnovers, right? And so with that in, that last part in particularly in case. Um, how much does that sound like taking opportunities to to push the ball down the field unless they're in circumstances where they're down and they're chasing the game or something like that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like that has been a major ph- philosophy of this offense is like, all right, we're going to be effective. We're going to matriculate the ball down the field, but they're not necessarily aiming for big chunk plays. In fact, I was talking to you before the show. Dallas Cowboys are 14th in the league when it comes to explosive plays through four weeks. That's not bad per se, but that's not necessarily good, obviously. Yeah, we understand that number needs to
3: go up a little bit in the middle of the road here.
4: And I don't know that the 49ers are the place where you're like, we're going to go Leroy Jenkins and chuck it down the field necessarily, (laughs) even if now you feel better about your left tackle. So I still think that they're going to try and approach the game very methodically. And I don't think that's the wrong thing to do because, again, and I understand there's a difference in the ways that this offense and like the play calling and all that from the previous couple of times that you've played the Niners because of the obvious change that you have with play caller there. But um, I do think that you look back at that game in the playoffs and you see and it feels weird to keep coming to this you were in that game you were yeah i think the big difference assuming that you can translate that game over to this one because they're individual games and they're going to unroll the stories will be individual and unique uh but assuming that you can translate that over it you know that these teams are of similar caliber what might be the biggest uh difference is who does not make mistakes and so i think In trying to execute at a high level, sorry to trigger a lot of Cowboys fans by using that word, but executing at a high level will be what I think the distinction is. Maybe not necessarily changing the attacking style and pushing the ball downfield against the Niners.
3: Yeah, because one matchup that comes into particular focus now that we are looks like going to see that starting offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys is Tyron Smith versus Nick Bosa and how quickly and how often Bosa is going to test that knee of Tyron Smith to see how much he'll be able to hold up and protecting Dak Prescott's blind side. So what kind of extra help will you may have to bring on that left side to help out Tyron if he's starting to get beat a little bit, even coming off that knee injury and trying to deal with Nick Bosa? I wanna take it to this text though real quick from the a 817. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kinda scared. I feel like they're better in almost every aspect. Maybe we have the better kicker. I think that goes to what you were talking about a little bit earlier in terms of not necessarily changing the complexion of how this game looks or how it may feel, Because of how much the different matches that we'll see that for either side could determine what this game looks like. And even with San Francisco having to deal with the Cowboys starting five on the offensive line, how good they are and what they could still bring in terms of pressure on Dak Prescott in this football game.
4: Yeah, man, that that doesn't that doesn't shift, man. They're still going to be Mm -hmm. in the backfield. You know what I mean? Like they're still going to be making this tough this game is going to be tough regardless, you know, having your full compliment definitely evens this up. But this is there's a reason why we've been why the, the players have been talking about week five since the beginning of the season. There's a reason why everybody in, in media has looked, you know, circled this game on the calendars and why we are discussing it as this measuring stick game. It's a tough one. It's there for a reason. And so, yeah, uh, like having your full compliment is great. And, like, I guess being scared, I don't know that I would necessarily go to that level. Because, again, this is a good team. And I understand some of that is probably just because of the way it looked against Arizona. Mm -hmm. But, like, I still understand that this is a good team, assuming that they don't do the things that got them hurt in Arizona, which was being undisciplined and being, um, you know, out of sorts in a way. And those are similar things that you could point back to against the Niners last year.
3: When we talk about this game tomorrow, when we preview it, getting ready to go into the weekend, there is a matchup on the defensive side for the Dallas Cowboys that scares me going up against the San Francisco 49ers. And there's a speed aspect here that I am concerned about when it comes to this Cowboys secondary. I'll detail more on that tomorrow when we get ready to talk about the full preview between the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. But it appears that the starting five of the offensive line will be good to go on Sunday, we will watch on um, Friday and on Saturday as Tyron Smith uh is the most questionable one of the five, it appears, uh, going into Sunday. But as of right now, it looks like we will see them for the very first time this season. It's to get right Reggie KG right here on through the fan. Coming up next here, KD Drummond of the Cowboys wire joins us to give us his perspective on what he believes will happen between San Francisco and Dallas. We do it next on 105 through the fan. It's the get right with Reggie KG right here on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Anatila, mm-hmm. Ross Lubinsky holding it down for here. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. Coming up here in just a moment, Katie Drummond of the Cowboys, who going to be joining us to talk some Cowboys 49ers ahead of their matchup on Sunday Night Football. Coming up in 18 minutes, uh, big weekend in college football as uh, OU and Texas is going to be on full display. But there's some really good games as well uh, taking place, including Alabama. Visiting Texas a and Maybe Jimbo Fisher's best shot to beat uh, Nick Saban while they're down right now. At first, as you started saying that, I was like, what are you doing right now? But I was like, you know what? You know what?
4: <laughs> yeah, kind of.
3: Jimbo might actually be earning some of that money this weekend. Oh,
4: well, don't. That's a little too far. Come on. Hyperbole. What are you
3: doing? But um, What? You think he's earning that money? That's what I'm saying. He's a Con artist. Like, stealing all that money from Texas like, Exactly. Program. You're going too far. He's not actually earning that money. What you mean? <laughs> right now, though, we go to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline where we welcome in the managing editor for the Cowboys Wire for USA Today. He is KD Drummond. Katie, what's going on?
5: What's up, fellas? How y'all
3: been? Uh, let me ask you something real quick. Doing real good. I'm going to ask you something real quick. How many times has Patrick Walker called you about what's happening in these MLB playoffs wow. so far? Wow.
5: I, I don't know what's happening in the MLB playoffs. What you,
3: <laughs> about? you decided just to turn it off altogether, huh? Yeah, I've, I've opted out.
4: Okay. For how long? Like, is is that like a is is that like when the computer pops up and they're like, you can opt out for one hour, two hour, four hours? <laughs> how long did you opt out? Because uh, your Nationals aren't looking. Oof.
5: Je- that's what I about to say, gentlemen. Have you seen our roster? <laughs>
3: about about a <laughs> well, a roster that looks like it's going to have its starting five on the offensive line for the first time in quite some time uh, is the Dallas Cowboys. What were your thoughts when you saw the news come through that it appears Tyron Smith, Tyler, Tyler and Zach and uh, Terrence Steele, that's right, mm-hmm. are all going to play on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers.
5: It, it is absolutely beautiful news. Uh, it's been a very long time. I forgot the total number of games. That's how long it's been. It's been uh, many games since the Cowboys had their entire offensive line together. I think they went all of 2022 without their offensive line. Their starting five, intended starting five uh, every game this year. So it, it's been a long time. And I'm just hopeful we can get through these last, you know, tomorrow's practice, the walkthrough on Saturday, and everybody makes it through healthy because the Cowboys have been known for getting some late-week injuries that have kind of derailed their plan for the for the uh, game day. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be tremendous to have everybody back together. Uh, we know how well t- uh, Teron Smith was playing to start the season uh, before his, his knee gave him some trouble. Uh, we know what the rest of the line does as far as Zach Martin, uh, Terrence Steele in the run game, Tyler Biadish being the enforcer now. You know, who saw that coming? He, he's the mean guy on the offensive line. Uh, and Tyler Smith is just doing incredible when it comes to run blocking at left guard. So it's very it, it's very much needed because this San Francisco uh, 49ers defensive front is a, a bunch of animals, man, and they really need to be on their best behavior in order to, to keep Dak upright.
4: Now, KD, I know that I've been pretty fascinated about the idea of the ways that this, this offense has decided to attack, the ph- philosophical change that you've been able to see, and one thing I've been talking about on this very show is kind of how – this team has been middle of the road when it comes to getting explosive plays, chunk plays. Is that something that concerns you? Where have you where have you landed seeing the the implementation of the Tex-Coast offense through four weeks?
5: Yeah, so I'm, I'm not too concerned about the chunk plays. I mean, obviously, it's not where you want it to be. Uh, I put out my advanced stat notebook earlier today. Uh, the Cowboys have 11 explosive passing plays, which are 20 yards or more. Uh, 13 explosive runs, and that's not bad. It's a very good total, especially when you consider that they're not turning the ball over. Uh, it's not, you know, top of the league. The 49ers have uh, 15 explosive passing plays, 18 explosive runs, so there's obviously room for improvement. Uh, but one of the things that I found in my in my research for this game is that uh, the Texas Coast offense is not throwing the ball downfield. Dak Prescott ranks 34 out of 34 quarterbacks in the NFL. When it comes to air yards, he's averaging 5.5 yards an attempt. That's abysmal. Uh, but his success in his passing does not reflect somebody that normally has that low of an air yardage uh, average. He is very, very good at what he does. The Cowboys have success game everywhere but the red zone. Uh, and not just, you know, minimal success. They have a lot of success. Dak Prescott leads the NFL, or the Cowboys, I should say, lead the NFL in third down conversion over expected. And what that basically says is when you put the Cowboys in whatever third down distance in the game situation, they are performing basically 12% better than the average team would in those exact same situations. So they're coming through when it comes to their chances on offense. It's just not resulting in touchdowns when you get to the red zone. My prevailing theory is that they just didn't spend as much time as they needed to on red zone implementation. And by middle of the season, end of the season, hopefully by Sunday night, they'll have straightened out some of those things and they can get touchdowns out of those drives. But we see the Cowboys be very successful on offense. Uh, and, and, yeah, so things have changed. They're not just throwing the ball downfield. We thought with Brandon Cook that was going to open up the deep game. We thought, uh, you know, Turpin was going to be more of a factor in, in opening up things downfield. But that just does not seem to be what this offense is geared to do right now.
3: Does that concern you moving forward then with the use of Brandon Cooks and what that looks like with him in this offense for the Cowboys?
5: I think it'll come along eventually. Um, you know, we we saw CeeDee Lamb, obviously a CeeDee Lamb, and he's been that way since week one of the season. And it took a couple of weeks for Michael Gallup to get going. And now that Michael Gallup is going, I figure the next step in that evolution is going to be Brandon Cooks. Uh, we saw a little bit of Tolbert in this last game showing up more than he has at any point in his career. So I think Dak is capable of spreading the ball around. And everybody remembers what we saw in training camp. You know, Brandon Cooks was featured. He was getting behind the defense. He was doing what he's done at every stop along his career when he's had six different 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Uh, The chemistry was there in the offseason. But, again, with football, it's always funny because it's such a small sample size, right? You only have 17 regular season games. We've only been through four of them. And things could easily turn around, you know, in this game and a couple games from now, and all of this will be a distant memory that they're not going deep. I think that... You know, there there's a lot of a lot of talk was paid to, oh, we've only changed the offense thirty percent. But they've changed a lot about what Dak Prescott does in the pocket. His footwork is markedly different than it has been in the past. And I just think they were focused on other things when it comes to this offense. And as the season gets further into it, some of the other things that they plan to do will eventually come around.
4: We're talking to K D. Drummond, the managing editor of Cowboys Wire, right here on one oh five three the fan and KD I I'm personally fairly negative especially when you get to games like this because I'm looking at all the things that could possibly go wrong but I feel like to to inject a little bit of positivity into my own personal um you know kind of feelings <laughs> where are the places in this game in this matchup that you have a lot of um a lot of high expectations for the Cowboys against the Niners
5: I love the fact of how Dan Quinn has spent the first four weeks sending Michael Parsons from everywhere. And I know his sack total wasn't big in this last game, but he had like nine pressures. Uh, There are holes in this San Francisco offensive line. You're not going to get many wins against Trent Trent Williams uh, against him, but I think Parsons might get a win or two there. But on the right side of the line, I think that that's a a time to feast. I think the Cowboys have enough playmakers along that defensive line that they are going to be able to give – uh, San Francisco's some fits when it comes to that. Uh, I think that San Francisco secondary is suspect outside of their safety. Chavarius um, Ward is a little bit banged up. He's their top cornerback, you know, former Cowboys, Chavarius Ward. So I think that there are places that you can win against San Francisco. Their defense is nothing like it was under D'Amico Ryans last year. They were number one in basically every category. Um, this year, they are, they are not that. They are giving up, um, you know, uh, chunk plays and, you not chunk plays, sorry, excuse me. They don't give up a bunch of big plays, but they give up positive yardage. They give up success, successful plays where you're getting you know, more than 40% uh, of what's necessary on first down, more than 60% on second down. San Francisco is not a very good quote-unquote success rate defense. Mm-hmm. So I think the Cowboys are going to have opportunities to make plays. It's what happens after they get the ball in their hands that's, that's really going to be on them. So you're going to want to get the ball to CeeDee Lamb on those crossing routes, on those slants. Um, there's going to be opportunities there for Tony Pollard. I don't think they're a very stout run defense as they have been in the past. I think they're actually in the bottom third of the league uh, when it comes to advanced metrics against the run. Uh, so I think that there are opportunities for the Cowboys to win in those areas. Uh, and, and I mean, let's be honest. We're just looking for better offensive performance than what we've seen in the last two playoff games. Everybody has that horrible taste in their mouth for how the offense has looked. And this is going to be the litmus test. They have, you know, they've, they've tried it out for four weeks. They've They've seen what has worked. And I promise you, this coaching staff has had this game circled on their calendar when they want to pull out all the stops. Now, if they come out in this game and against this, you know, lesser than San Francisco defense and we've seen in the past, and all of this build-up, and they, you know, can't compete, and they and they can't get their offense uh, untracked, then it's going to be time to worry about what this team can ultimately be. But I think they they I think they have the possibility of having a good showing on Sunday night, man, and, and they do well under the lights. Uh, I, I have a lot of confidence in the Cowboys for this game, and that's not something that I thought I would have at the beginning of the season at this point. Uh, it's not what I felt after the Arizona game, but I think the Cowboys can do some damage on Sunday night.
4: Yeah, and just, just to kind of help you out there, the Niners are t- ranked 20th when it comes to success rate defensively, so that's obviously yes. you know right in that at the bottom part of that middle uh, third of the league, and then they're 28th when it comes to rush EPA, which is firmly in the bottom third defensively there in the league. Go. So, yeah, no, you can run on them, and they, they allow successful plays. Maybe that uh, dink and dunk offense can continue right up the field on them.
5: Yeah, it's, it's all going to be what they do once they get in the red zone. Like, I mean, there there's, no, uh, there there's no other way to frame this for the Cowboys to have success. They simply have to figure out how to get it done in the red zone. And let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. They've had a bunch of drops. The tight ends aren't doing their job in the red zone. There's multiple mm. plays where he's hit these tight ends, and he should have four or five touchdowns if they did their job and caught the ball. We need these young tight ends to come through in this game. If they don't, it might be more of a struggle, uh, but that's the place that they can win in this game.
3: Katie, can the winner of this game lay claim to being calling themselves the best team in the National Football League through five weeks?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just because, you know, Philly hasn't played – Anybody? Buffalo has the, the strongest win right now um, in my weekly power rankings. I had Miami number one going into last week after that uh, shellac and they put on the Denver Broncos. So Buffalo took that crown and that bumped San Francisco up to number one for me. Uh, Dallas right now is number five, right behind Philly at number four um, with Buffalo and Kansas city in between. But I, I think that if the Cowboys go into this game on the road on Sunday night and exercise those demons, how would you not say that they're, you know, the, the, the reigning champ, of the NFL at this at
4: this juncture of the season Katie real quick I'm going back to the negativity Um, the (laughs) Cowboys when it comes to um, the successful places in that defense where teams can attack them throwing over the middle is a place where they are susceptible and that's funny enough where Kyle Shanahan offenses like to attack Um, how are you viewing that matchup um, in particular
5: I am a big Malik Hooker fan in general. I am not pleased with what I've seen out of him so far this year. So I have concern about that over the middle. I have a concern about the deep middle with Hooker patrolling that center field. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at Leighton Vander We're looking at Damone Clark dropping back in the coverage. That is definitely the weak spot of the Cowboys defense. We knew what it was entering in the, into the year. Uh, that The linebacker core was a little bit depleted. I think that Dan Quinn had big plans for Overshown. Uh, but he got injured. He tore his ACL, so he's out. And as much as I like what uh, my pet cat Marquise Bell does in his place, I, I think they're still susceptible to that over the middle. So, yeah, I expect to see Debo running across there. I expect to see IU on those crossing patterns. Uh, let's face it. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is an absolute mastermind when it comes to devising his offense. Uh, and it's been in place for a while. He has the longevity and his uh, of his system being known by his players. And they know where those weak spots are. They know how to attack them. And I expect that to be the case on uh, Sunday night. The question is whether or not the pass rush can get there. If the pass rush can get there, all plans go to go to waste. So it's like what Mike Tyson says. You know, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to take. We have to get to Brock Purdy so that he's uncomfortable, uh, similar to how he was in that playoff game. I mean, you know, he didn't have a great playoff game against the Cowboys. It's just that the Cowboys' offense was inept. And and they weren't able to do anything when they had the ball. But the Cowboys have shown the ability to stop this San Francisco offense. They just need to do it again on Sunday night.
3: Should be one hell of a matchup between two old rivals in the NFC, between the Cowboys and the 49ers. We kick off at 720 in Santa Clara, California. You can find him on Twitter at KD Drummond NFL. He is the managing editor for the Cowboys Wire for USA Today. He is. KD Drummond. KD, as always, appreciate the time, sir. Good to hear from you.
4: Appreciate you, man.
3: Thank you, Dennis. Y'all have a good one. Yes, sir. There he goes, KD Drummond of the Cowboys Wire. Good enough to join us here on the Get Right via the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. Boo-boo Boomer (laughs) Jacks. I see what you did there. Uh, Before we go to break, uh, Justin Fields and DJ Moore have hooked up in our nation's capital and have done so for a touchdown. Four-man rush again. To the end zone, Moore
4: touchdown. Was that excitement from Al Michaels? He might. He it might have caught him off guard. Oh. <laughs> he was
3: like, "Hold on, wait a minute." Oh. <laughs> uh, Justin Fields, four of six for ni- uh, five of seven now for 97 yards and a touchdown. Uh, DJ Moore, three catches already in the game for uh, that's right, 87 yards uh-huh. and the touchdown. Uh, Chicago up seven, nothing. On the fighting Eric enemies on Thursday night football in our nation's capital. It's to get right with Reggie KG right here on 105 through the fan. Coming up next year on our fine program.
4: Uh I forgot what we had talked about, but <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about something. Kyle's football. <laughs> That's the one. We'll do we'll do that next on 105 through the fan.
2: Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it.
3: To so get right, we're Reggie KG right here on one oh five three the fan beat weekend in college football coming up, highlighted by OU in Texas or Texas, to know, you depending on where you Oh yeah, sit on you might have
4: you might have just caused an international incident. Well,
3: you know, it's funny because I was listening to the KNC masterpiece earlier today and Corey Majors was kind of detailing, you know, which version of how they say it how he says the game. And obviously for him it's OU Texas. OU Texas. Mm-hmm. But for someone like Ross. Or Larry Flores or Clarence Hill Jr. Lucius Alexander, uh, it's Texas OU, you know, going into Red River Showdown, baby. Oh, yeah, or or Red River Rivalry. Well, that this is the thing I and I of course this
4: is where I end up being the annoying jerk nerd thing. Um, Red River Rivalry encompasses the entirety of the rivalry between the schools, so that's all sports.
3: Mm-hmm. Now
4: the football game was typically denoted by the term Red River Shootout.
3: That's right which
4: we got know. to a point in this country where we're like hey we probably shouldn't use that particular word uh-huh and so people start they start referring to it as the red river showdown that's right and so me personally being the nerd that i am and knowing that i call it the red river showdown
3: okay a uh, similar to how uh my school the university of missouri how we played Gross. kansas relax uh <laughs> played for all those years it was the uh the border war, yeah, and folks are like, hey, y'all might want to relax on the whole war thing. Yeah, it's not that crucial. Uh, so we turned it into the border showdown. Hey, there it is. Yeah, exactly. We so found it. When in doubt, go showdown. <laughs> it, that's what it appears to be. Uh, but some good college football action, and of course, you got the Texas, uh, the Texas State Fair this weekend. Yes.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you've never been to. Still haven't, and I probably won't this year.
3: You're gonna go to the fair this year. My he, wife and I are going to see to it that you're going to. This is not this year. the first
4: time that someone has said that Corey majors thought he, Corey majors thought he had done it a couple of years. You
3: got a niece that you need to come hang out with. So as long as you pay. Him. Wow, brother! Oof.
2: Wow, the way my bank
3: account's set up. Um, as if my day set up, you know, kind of like <laughs> Wow. Okay. All right. We're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. All I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to uh, talk to my wife about it this weekend. I'll Dave, go with you, Reggie. It'll be fun. Thanks, man. Um.
4: <laughs> That's gonna be an awkward situation, cause ain't ain't the ain't the fair definitely like uh isn't that date primetime isn't that isn't that uh the dating Super Bowl taking taking a lady to the fair?
3: Uh, it depends on if you're into that sort of thing, I guess. Uh, lock- dating or the fair? The the fair. Oh, okay. Relax, red. I look. I don't know. Shit, you didn't specify. Wow. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people take you know significant others to the state fair. Uh, that's what my wife and I were doing. We actually, got a some friends of ours that we we're gonna do a double date with. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to go to the fair. I was like, yeah, we'll go hang out, spend a bunch of money on food, uh, leave the kids at home. As, uh, my my daughter, she gets a designated day to go to the fair because they give uh, the school a free ticket to each kid. Uh, so mom and dad had to pay for it. But, yeah, we'll find our way to the, uh, the state fair. And you're coming with us. You're coming with us.
4: You say that. Um, anyways, <laughs> one, one thing that we definitely know is happening is uh the red river showdown as i like to call it you can call it what you want i'm not telling you what to say uh 214 yes i can see that um but there's a few questions that were asked for week six because it's not the only college football game that's right that's happening this week so let's let's kind of see what we feel about some of these questions Ooh, okay but we, we will start however with this particular rivalry mm-hmm. um at the cotton bowl which coach needs a red river showdown win the most
3: uh oh i'm gonna go with brett venables okay um same i think for him this you said said same real quick ross of course i mean he's he's a texas fan he's like no we stick by our guy hey ross let me ask what happened the last time texas played oklahoma in the in the uh at the cotton Bowl? what happened last time
2: well since you asked why are you doing (laughs) this
3: you know
4: carter's gonna take throw you over the top rope right
2: It'll be all right. Okay. So the last time these two heated rivals played, mm-hmm. Texas beat Oklahoma by a whooping 49 to nothing, Woo! which for those at home who may may not know or may have chosen to forgotten, like our good friend Carter Freeman, um, <laughs> it was the worst loss in program history. Going back to World War II. All wow! Right. For
4: all our Sooner listeners, just know. <laughs> uh, direct all attention to Kevin Gray and Ross Levinson. I, I just asked him all the right. question
3: because it, you know, solidified my answer. Brett Venables needs this win for his Oklahoma Sooner program. Why is that? Uh, he's building something there. I mean, they're o- they're five and zero, excuse me, five uh, and zero, and got a really good. They're starting to build a good defense there. And if you can take out Steve Sarkeesian with that offense, with Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, the talented you know running back that they have, you put yourself on the map as a legitimate uh, team in the Big Twelve in the final year of the Big Twelve uh, this year, and you do have the inside track at that point uh, for the Big Twelve championship game. So Oklahoma, I think, needs this win more than than Texas.
4: I'm going the other way. I think this is a Steve Sarkeesian win that's necessary. Ooh, okay. I think you're right. Brent Venables is building a program, mm-hmm. and I understand last year happened, and that was a that was tough. This year, you, I, for the first time in forever, I'm seeing the Oklahoma defense is better than the offense. And so, like, I've seen proof of concept there with Oklahoma. And I don't know that I've had a lot of expectation for Oklahoma when it comes to, like, playoffs. Not saying that, they, that that's something that's outside of their realm of possibility, just not that expectation for me personally. Texas, the Texas is back thing, I know has been kind of a joke, but as we detailed <laughs> earlier in the season, this is the first year that like the the uh, media members for the Big 12 actually voted Texas as the preseason favorite to win the conference. Like this is the first time that the Texas is back thing is relatively real. Mm-hmm. So to to stub your toe in this way. And not to say that like this would be akin to losing to Kansas or anything. Like, and of course now I have to do the the Maya culpa because Kansas is actually somewhat good this year. You understand what I'm saying. Like this isn't the same thing. Like this would be a good team that you lose to. However, it would be a roadblock in a in a year where there seems to be a few teams that can make it into that fourteen playoff situation. So you do not want to hamper your opportunity to get to the playoff and really solidify this 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 opportunity to be closer to what Texas is supposed to perennial, perennially be. And so I think that this would be a real, a real um, shot to the heart for the Texas program if they were not able to get this one done on Saturday.
3: Yeah, because you have a chance this season, if you're Texas, to have gone on the road, of course, you already beat Alabama, and then to back it up against your biggest rival and really solidify your march toward the Big 12 championship and solidifying yourself in the college football playoff. Yeah, it's a massive weekend for both of these teams. I think for Oklahoma, they needed a little bit more. But you're right, for Steve Sarkeesian, this would be a massive win for him after having already gotten one on the road against Alabama and what that does for their uh, national championship chances uh, this year before they head to the SEC.
4: Now, KG, as we move this around college football a little bit in week six, mm-hmm. does Georgia actually have a QB problem? Have you kept up with Georgia at all? I know – uh, they've been over there just kind of doing the thing handling the businesses they're supposed to but Carson Beck is the the quarterback of that team and he didn't throw a a touchdown until his final pass of the game at Auburn mm-hmm. um this clearly isn't Stetson Bennett this isn't Aaron Murray, like right. this is Carson Beck. Isn't that same thing? Do you think there's a quarterback problem
3: for Georgia? Let me ask you a question in retort to that. Okay, does Brock Bowers still play for that team? Sure does. Okay, they're cool. Okay, yeah, throw it to him. You're you're in that position where it's just like just get it done. Yeah, handle business. Let the, and let that defense win. Let that defense be able to help you march toward another national championship. You know, possible appearance this year as long as he's not turning the football over, protecting the ball, and allowing Brock Bowers to be able to make some plays you know, in the open field, I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, it's definitely some concern in Athens based on the the questionable quarterback play so far. But Brock Bauer still there. He's a monster. Uh, throw him the football more often than not, you're going to be okay.
4: Yeah, I I think that you're on the right track there. I, I don't view it as a problem, but I definitely view it as something that you have to be a little concerned about. Sure. And the thing about it is I look around um, the SEC, and I actually don't see the teams that are poised to take advantage of whatever is left lacking from carson Beck, so i i'm viewing georgia is in a place where they're they're fine they're continuing to handle their business as currently constituted and we'll see ultimately where they show up when when somebody gives them some level of test mm-hmm. um how are you are you interested in this a&m alabama game that's coming up
3: uh from the standpoint of have they found their quarterback in Alabama with Milrow, and do they feel continually better about him week over week? Well, he's the best one they got. That's the best one that they have, and what that looks like going now on the road in a hostile environment in College Station. For Texas AM. and m this is one of the better shots that Jimbo Fishers had uh, to take out what is a down Alabama team right now, which you better get while they're down right now, um, to be able to handle business. And win that game. This is a good shot for Jimbo Fisher and his crew to get that done this weekend.
4: All right. So there's two potential upset picks for Week Six uh, that I'm going to throw at you. Obviously, it'd be Texas A&M plus one and a half over Alabama, or Washington State plus three over Chip Kelly's UCLA. Which one do you like
3: a little bit better? Oh, well, I don't trust Chip Kelly as far as I can throw him. So,
4: okay, you're riding with Cam Ward and the Washington yes, State so Cougars. Going, yeah, going
3: with the the Cougs of Washington State. Yeah, I'll take that one. I think that's
4: a fun game to keep keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like A and M in this one Ooh, with Alabama. What but would
3: happen if Alabama gets, or excuse me, if Texas A and M gets that done this week? Aggies fans are going to be insufferable having beaten Alabama, based off of what uh, Alabama's been so far this year.
4: And they should be, even though I don't think that <laughs> like it's it's it doesn't mean the same thing as it has in your year, years past because this is this is a down Alabama, one of the downest Alabamas that I've seen in quite a while. However. Ain't nobody historically going to look back and tell you all that stuff. And even if they do, you can tell them that you go somewhere else, right? Like, we beat Alabama. We're going to hold on to that one, right? And particularly the way that it's gone for A&M over the last season or two because of um, the Jimbo Fisher tenure. I think you go ahead and you hold on to that one. Um, but, no, I, I really love and I, I would implore as many people as possible, and I think a lot of people are already on this train, watch more of that Pac-12, um, the, the the quarterbacks that have moved into that league Been really fun and Cam Ward's one of those transfer guys, and he has been just fantastic. He has a thousand three hundred eighty nine yards and thirteen touchdowns with zero interceptions Mm. on one hundred forty one attempts. Like he's, it's really fun. So uh, I'm I'm enticed by that game, and I I I like your pick as well when it comes to Washington State. But I'm I like I like the spicy pick of seeing uh, if Alabama is going to going to fully go into uh, the the Alabama mode that they're capable of when it it looks bad.
3: Uh, And more importantly, if you're Texas A and M. A win over Alabama puts you in the driver's seat in the SEC West. We've seen how LSU has struggled. Uh, So far, they may be in trouble against my Missouri Tigers this weekend in Columbia. Oh, Uh, go ahead and talk to them. uh, My 5-0 Missouri Tigers right now handling business after crushing, uh, handling Vanderbilt. You know, last week, they're setting up for a nice showdown. uh, Two ranked opponents in Columbia on uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. for the Tigers versus the Tigers. But yeah, for Texas A&M, you really put yourself in good position in the SEC West. To take advantage of what has been a struggling LSU team, and then with the win over Alabama, you're right there uh, with a direct line to the SEC title game if you continue to handle your business there as well. So you go.
4: There's there's a little bit of a conversation leading up to Week Six in college football. Of course, we're still got we still got you tomorrow, seven to eleven p.m. right here on 105 through the Fan, where of course we'll get more into the uh, the game versus between the two rivals in the Red River Showdown. The Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma uh, Sooners. And, of course, remember, I said it that in that order just because that's how the, it shows up on the rankings right now. Don't, okay, don't cover for me.
3: Okay. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a weekend on this, this coming weekend. You've got, as you mentioned, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Rangers, Orioles in the playoffs. And, of course, the Cowboys and the 49ers in Santa Clara. It's going to be one fun weekend of sports. Uh, tune in right here on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, chill out, four six, nine. We're 5-0. I don't care what you got to say about my They Missouri did beat Tigers. Kansas
4: State. That's right. Solid team. And, mm-hmm. buddy, if you don't think they've beaten anybody, that's fine. Go watch Luther Burton play. That dude is a baller. Luther
3: Burton, the third boy, baller and wide receiver for the Missouri Tigers. It's the get right. Reggie KG right here on 105 through the fan where the Chicago Bears are whooping the Washington Commanders. DJ Moore, his second touchdown catch, has the Chicago Bears up 17 nothing. 0 On the road on Thursday night football. It never makes sense. That's right. Uh, Coming up next, speaking of the Rangers, five MLB Division Series storylines going into the divisional round. Talk about it
2: next on 105 Through the Fan.